Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Kyrie eleison. In the divine service, we pray the Kyrie. You'll see that written uh, in, uh, I don't know, page 169 maybe. Kyrie eleison. Which is Koine Greek for Lord have mercy. Thus the response to our prayer, our petitions. Lord have mercy. And this was... Uh, this was the prayer of these 10 lepers. They cried out. Now, they didn't use the word Lord. They said, Master. This is a difference, but it was the same cry. Have mercy. Lord, have mercy. And they went to the right person because Jesus Christ does have mercy and would have mercy. To understand this episode in the life and ministry of Jesus fully, some context will be helpful. First, I want to start with leprosy. In biblical usage, leprosy could refer to any number of skin diseases. Uh, nowadays, it is also known as Hansen's disease. It's an infection, and it can damage your nerves, um, your respiratory system, your skin, your eyes. can all be affected by leprosy. It's observable. It's manifest. It, it's on the outside. There is no hiding it. it it's, it's obvious when someone has leprosy, you can tell. And it's contagious. Now, I've heard it's actually not like readily contagious. It's actually kind of hard to, to get. You have to have an extended contact with someone. But nevertheless, it, was, it is contagious. And it was viewed with, as a contagious uh, disease. And people were like, keep your distance. I don't want your cooties. More significantly in this context is that those with leprosy were ceremonially, ceremonially unclean. They were part of the unclean, like Gentiles were unclean to the Jewish people. Those with leprosy were uh, treated as unclean. And that meant that they couldn't participate fully in the life of, uh, of Israel. The laws concerning leprosy are given in the Old Testament, and you can find them in various places. Leviticus 13, I think, is the most detailed uh, accounting of how the covenant community of Israel is to handle suspected cases of leprosy. The priest is to examine the patient, and then there's a variety of rules, you know, what you do if, you know, you, you isolate them for seven days, and then you take another look, and um, you pronounce them either clean or unclean, depending on whether it goes away or what it looks like after that period of time. So what do you do with the unclean person, the one who's pronounced as a leper? Well, Leviticus 13 gives us some details on that. The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose. And he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, Unclean! Unclean! He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. Basically, he was ostracized. I mean, that's what I mean by he was not able to participate fully in the life of the people of Israel. He was ostracized. Now, it says until he has, uh, or as long as he has the disease. Yeah, some people recovered from the disease. 
So what's the process when you recover from the disease? Indulge me for a minute, because I need to read some of Leviticus 14, which gives the prescription, okay? This shall be the law of the leprous person for the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought to the priest, and the priest shall go out of the camp. He's not going to come in. He goes out of the camp, and the priest shall look. Then, if the case of leprous disease is healed in the leprous person, the priest shall command them to take for him, who is to be cleansed, two live, clean birds, and cedar wood, and scarlet yarn, and hyssop. And the priest shall command them to kill one of the birds in an earthenware vessel over fresh water. Very, very specific here. He shall take the live bird with the cedar wood and the scarlet yarn and the hyssop and dip them and the live bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over the fresh water. And he shall sprinkle it seven times on him who is to be cleansed of the leprous disease. Then he shall pronounce him clean and shall let the living bird go out, uh, go into the open field. And he who is to be cleansed shall wash his clothes and shave off his hair and bathe himself in water, and he shall be clean. And after that, he may come into the camp, but live outside his tent seven days. And on the seventh day, he shall shave off all his hair from his head, his beard, and his eyebrows. Now, he's already shaved, but he's got to shave again because presumably his hair's grown again in the last seven days. So he's going to shave again. He shall shave off all his hair and then shall wash his clothes and bathe his body in water and he shall be clean. Now, perhaps this sounds a bit complicated. There's more. And on the eighth day, he shall take two male lambs without blemish and one ewe lamb, a year old without blemish and a grain offering of three tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil and one log of oil. And the priest who cleanses him shall set the man who is to be cleansed. And these things before the Lord at the entrance of the tent of meeting. This would be at the tabernacle, at the entrance. He brings them before that. And the priest shall take one of the male lambs and offer it for a guilt offering, along with the log of oil, and wave them for a wave offering before the Lord. Okay, the prescribed actions of the healed man and the priest continue. But I'm going to stop there because I think you get the point. There is a complex ritual to be undertaken by the priest in the case of someone who has been healed of leprosy. Now, I don't want to give you the impression here that God's prescription is unimportant or, dare I say, convoluted. To the contrary, the sacrificial system, which is what's being prescribed here, reflects the holiness of Almighty God. And it reflects our need for atonement. In fact, the final remark in this section of Leviticus 14 says, thus the priest shall make atonement for him and he shall be clean. The point here is that a good Jewish man would be very familiar with the law and with the sacrificial system and with what he must do if he is to be truly clean, pronounced clean of this leprous disease. And what is that? March down to Jerusalem and go see the priest and bring your two birds and your two lambs and offer the sacrifice. That's what a good Jewish adherent would know to do. 
So thus, when Jesus said, go and show yourselves to the priest, they went. That's what they need to do. But they went trusting that they would be healed. It it took faith to ask for healing. And it took faith to hear that word and to turn and begin marching to Jerusalem to the priest. Trusting that by the time they arrived, they would be healed. So as they went to the priests, which is what Jesus had said for them to do, which is what they knew full well was the command of God to show themselves to the priests, they were cleansed. And now we have an interesting situation. Only one of the men returned. You can imagine the others saying to themselves, what are you doing? Don't don't return. We got to get down to the priest straight away. Because, you know, there's this whole thing we got to do now that we've been cleansed. And the one who returned was a Samaritan. Again, some context here might be helpful. The Assyrians conquered the northern kingdom in 722 B.C. That'd be about 125 years or so before the southern kingdom was finally besieged by the Babylonians. When the Assyrians conquered new lands, they had a practice of dispensing the people that they conquered throughout the areas that they had conquered. And you can read about this in 2 Kings 24. The king of Assyria brought people from Babylon, Kutha, Ava, Hamath, and Serfavan, and placed them in the cities of Samaria instead of the people of Israel. Some people will say, and pardon the expression, it is offensive, that Samaritans were half-breeds, part Jewish, part Gentile. Some people will say that they were were straight Gentile. They didn't even have any Jewish blood in them. Regardless of the particulars, the point is they were looked down upon because they were not good, pure Jewish people. And in fairness, the Samaritans... Uh, over time, were syncretistic. They had imported false religions and false gods from other territories, and they didn't worship the one true God. And they didn't worship in Jerusalem. They worshiped at Mount Gerizim. Some people make a, some people make a deal about this because Jesus is walking between Samaria and Galilee as though he's like right between the two temples, Gerizim on the one side and Jerusalem on the other. I think that kind of misses the point. So I'm not going there. The point is that the point is that Samaritans were looked upon with scorn and contempt in first century Palestine. They were scorned, they were they were treated uh, as as pagans, Gentiles more or less, or worse. Nine Jewish men continued on their way to the priest. And one filthy dog of a Samaritan turned back to Jesus. Why? Because he recognized, I don't need to show myself to the priests in Jerusalem. I need to show myself to the true priest, which is the man who just healed me. He's the one who's worthy of my worship. Notice what it says. He 
turned back praising God with a loud voice. His actions turned back praising God. In faith, he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. And Jesus said, your faith has made you well. Your faith has saved you. You could say that. Um, the word there is sosokin, which is from the root sozo, which means to save. Uh, it means to heal also. He was healed and he was saved. He was both. He was both of those things. He came to Jesus crying for mercy and Jesus had mercy on him, healed him and saved him. He did both. Your faith has healed you and saved you. That's what Jesus was saying. Not because this Samaritan man mustered up enough faith in himself to believe. No way. It's because faith receives the gifts of God. It's not, it's not your faith. It's the faith that God has given to you. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Colossians, speaking of the ceremonial law. And he said, these, the ceremonial law, are a shadow of the things to come. But the substance belongs to Christ. Hebrews 8 and 10 makes the same point. That the sacrificial system was a shadow. But that the substance, the substance of all of these bleeding bulls and goats and lambs every day. The temple was a bloody place. The substance of all of that is Jesus Christ and his suffering and dying on the cross. That is the substance. There on that cross, Jesus Christ suffered and died and took upon himself your sin and the sin of the whole world. By faith, this Samaritan dog saw that Jesus is the Christ and that he is the fulfillment of the law. This is why we worship Jesus in spirit and in truth. We're not, that's why we're not all in Jerusalem now, worshiping Jesus. We worship him in spirit and truth because he is the fulfillment of all of that. Brothers and sisters, see in Jesus Christ that fulfillment, the fulfillment of the law. God made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. By faith, you have received the promise of God and by faith, you are saved. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.